1: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. It's Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's back. Free agency's furor has died down and it's time, James, to shift our focus to the draft. Of course, if any free agency news does happen, we'll be back to cover that as it does. But today we're back on Mock Draft Monday and this Mock Draft Monday is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. James, before we dive into our mock draft simulator, and this week it's going to be the mock draft machine over on thedraftnetwork.com, let's talk about the trade that is shaking things up at the top of the draft. The Miami Dolphins trade out of the number three spot, pile up a bunch of first round picks. San Francisco goes up to number three, where they will presumably draft their quarterback of the future. The question will be which quarterback of the future is it for the San Francisco 49ers? As they're reportedly considering Mac Jones as well as Trey Lance, and I'm sure Justin Fields in the conversation with the first two picks essentially locked up. They're almost certainly going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. But for the Bengals, this means that you're going to get one of three guys if you believe that they still might draft Kyle Pitts, which I don't think very many people really do at this point. So it probably boils down to Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase, and they should be able to get
0: at least one of those guys at five. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be able to, assuming that it's three quarterbacks, and it should be. I, I guess maybe the Jets could go rogue. It just doesn't feel that way. and And so if that's the case and it's three straight quarterbacks... Maybe Atlanta does take Sewell, or maybe Atlanta does take Chase, but you're going to get your pick of one of those two guys. And who knows, Atlanta could take Pitts too. I actually think Pitts and Atlanta would make a lot of sense for a bunch of reasons. But this isn't a Falcons podcast, this is a Bengals podcast. And that was a big win on Friday for that to happen because it guarantees you if you're the Bengals sitting at five, to get the best receiver, which is a need, or the best tackle. And either one, you're you're excited about it. Certainly an upgrade to your roster and you're hoping. That we're talking about a perennial Pro Bowler, uh, a an all pro type guy, and in essentially replacing one of two Bengals legends either Andrew Whitworth, right? If you take Penny or AJ Green, if you take Jamar Chase.
2: Those are some very rosy, you know, very optimistic projections for those guys. But yeah, I mean, that's the best case, and that's what you hope you're getting at number five. Absolutely. What I really wonder, James, is after this trade, if there's any other team in the top nine, because I think Dallas would do it, but if there's any other team in the top nine that is actually looking at Sewell and thinking, that could be my guy here. Because you think about the first three teams, those are all almost certainly quarterback. Atlanta is almost certainly either going pass catcher, quarterback, or Maybe linebacker. Some people have them looking at <laughs> Micah Parsons, which, I mean, given his off-the-field concerns, the character questions, I mean, th- that team's going to have to be really comfortable with that stuff to draft him in the top 10. And then you've got Miami at six. Miami certainly could be on Sewell, but I, I think that most people, Kyle Krabs of the On Dolphins and uh, the Draft Network would agree, they're looking for a pass catcher at number six. And then you've got Carolina and Denver, both of whom I think are, are trying to get a quarterback. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. And maybe that's what gets them to pick Sewell if if he's still available there. Detroit, a little bit of a wild card to me. I think they're probably looking wide receiver or pass catcher as well. But who knows? I mean, they, they could certainly pull the trigger on Sewell. But I, I think you can make a very strong case for all the teams Again, up until Dallas, where I think that would be the floor for Sewell, any of these teams might be interested. So so to me, James, I really wonder, you know, what, what the Bengals intelligence is telling them about other teams in the top ten, whether they like Pene Sewell, whether maybe some of these guys, some of these other teams like Rashawn Slater a little bit more. And if they are able to find some of this out, I guess in a reliable enough way how strongly they're exploring their trade back options with teams like Carolina and Denver
0: especially you look at Carolina and yeah they want a quarterback right and maybe they do you know if Trey Lance is there or Justin Fields like if Justin Fields falls to five there should be teams interested that dude is is pretty damn proven he's a great athlete big thick kid like you you can buy into and sell your your GM your fans on trading up for him so if I'm the Bengals that's it's a really good place to be in, right? Because that's the guy a lot of people have watched. Not as many people watch Trey Lance. So out of the two, if Fields is available to me, that one, if you move back to eight, you mentioned the pass catchers that could go off the board at six and seven. Could you imagine if the Bengals traded back, added a pick, and still got Penny Sewell? I mean, that would be that would be pretty crazy. And and there is a chance of that happening now that again, after this trade on Friday, it impacts everything. It sends ripple effects across the league in the Bengals. Heck, five, Four months ago, people were wondering that Sewell wouldn't be there at five and worried about that. Now there's a chance he could fall to wherever they trade back to. And I'm not saying it's likely, but there's certainly a scenario where that does happen. And it all really has to do with this run on quarterbacks, which is clearly going to happen at the top of the draft.
2: Quarterbacks and pass catchers, passing game, primary playmakers, as the entire NFL, I think, is on the same page as we are, James. Maybe not the entire NFL, but a lot of the NFL. Looking at the guys who touch the ball as more valuable individual players than, than one offensive lineman. And, of course, there are questions about Sewell that I think the league has that maybe haven't made their way into the media as loudly or as specifically as teams understand what those risks are. For example... There are a lot of reports. You go Google Sewell arm length. There are a lot of people that are concerned about his arm length. Now, it doesn't really show up on tape, in my opinion, but NFL teams, if he's out there and he, he goes and measures with like 35 and a half inch arms or 33 and a half inch arms. Sorry, I was, I was thinking about the 0.5 there. 33 and a half inch arms is, is going to be a question for some teams. It's like, why don't I take the more polished guy? from a technique perspective in Rashawn Slater. I mean, Rashawn Slater also tested like an absolute freak. The only thing he's missing is the height, weight, length that people are projecting for Pene Sewell. Now, if Sewell doesn't have that length and he just has the height and the weight to go with the freaky athleticism that both players seem to possess, I I think that there will be some teams that that tie is broken by the player that they perceive to be more pro-ready. So I think there are some questions on Sewell, certainly, but... For all the the concern about uh, Sewell being a young guy, about his technique and everything, when you go watch him, what the most impressive thing is to me about Pene Sewell is when he makes those mistakes, he almost never has to pay for it. And I'm sure there will be players in the NFL that that can make him pay for those technical issues. But his ability, his raw skill, his, his his, his physical gifts allow him to make up for a lot that lesser gifted people, you know, if they played with his technique, they would they would be losing more. But he just has these crazy physical gifts. There's still plenty of time. We're a month away from the draft to talk about these guys' individual traits and positional value and talk through the scenarios for the Bengals at five and trading back and in the second round. And we're going to go through one of those scenarios
0: today on Mock Draft Monday coming up next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. As Jake mentioned, the NFL draft just one month away, which means you need to get in on the action, get off the sidelines, and check out some of their prop bets that they have at betonline.ag. Plus, college hoops, the final four. We're down to the final four. So make sure you get in on the action while it's still continuing. Plus, the NBA in full swing playoffs just around the corner Same goes for the NHL. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. So go to BetOnline.ag right now on your laptop or your mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. It's simple. You go to BetOnline.ag, you sign up, you make a first deposit, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to get a 50% bonus. That's free money. Take advantage of it. Get off the sidelines right now with BetOnline
2: James, we are on the mock draft machine over at thedraftnetwork.com. We are on the clock in the first round, and this is a scenario that I think is very likely to occur on draft day and put the Bengals in a spot where they have to make a choice. This is a scenario where Trevor, Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance are off the board with the first three picks. I think that San Francisco, I, I agree with consensus that they're probably moving up for Lance, and it sounds like if they're not, it might be for Mac Jones. And I I don't know why Justin Fields isn't in this conversation, but Atlanta didn't pick him. Atlanta in this scenario goes Kyle Pitts. So the Bengals now on the board in a scenario that could very well happen on April 29th. And that's where they're on the clock at five and Penny Sewell, Justin Fields and Jamar Chase are all available. I think that presents three distinct options and hopefully we get to talk about these in the next few weeks. There's the one option that I think currently is the most likely option is that I believe the Bengals are likely to pick Penny Sewell if this is what happens on draft night. The second most likely option perhaps is that, you know, the, the smoke about Joe Burrow stumping for his former teammate is true and he gets through to the Bengals front office and convinces them to draft Jamar Chase. And then I think there's a scenario where potentially... If there are enough guys for the Bengals here, you know, you're trading back. Somebody's going to pick a quarterback. And then if you're going to eight, that's only two picks between you and the draft. Do you think that the Detroit Lions and and Miami Dolphins are going to pick the guys that you would like? Then I think there's a trade back conversation as well. Those are some scenarios that I think we have to look at leading up to the draft. And James, let's just start with the Pene Sewell scenario because, as of today, as we record on March 28th, I think that is the most likely pick for the Bengals at number five.
0: It is. And that, that's that's where the odds should be at Bet Online because Penny Sewell is the guy that addresses their biggest need. And you look at the Bengals and, and just how they're operating. I think the tea leaves point to that. It doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily be that or 100% that's what they're going to do. But I feel pretty confidently in saying if the draft was today, and Pene was there, that would be who they would pick.
2: And I think you did a poll on this. What were the results of the poll that put Jamar Chase against Pene I think it was like 53% for Pene Soul and something like 47%. It was in that range for Jamar Chase. Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, it actually, Pene Soul, as we record this on set, uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, has a little bit more of a lead now. We have almost 7,000 votes, Jake, and 56% are on Sewell. Forty-four percent are on Jamar Chase. Chase had the early lead, and since then, Sewell has slowly been able to edge up. I think the the poll—the more love it got, the more fans that saw it, the more uh, the more votes Sewell got. So it uh, certainly an interesting debate, and it, it'll be interesting to revisit that poll again in a few weeks.
2: And I think Lindsey Patterson did one at the same time. So I'd be curious to see if she got different results or not than you did. I think maybe we need to do one from the Locked On Bengals account and see if that gets different results still from what your account got, from what Lindsay's account got? Because I think that there's probably different sections of fans there in in those three accounts. Probably a lot of
0: overlap to be certain, but do you have Lindsay's poll numbers there? I just pulled it up. Penny sold over 4,000 votes and Penny sold 57%, Jamar Chase 43%.
2: Within the margin of error, for sure. I mean, those are pretty much identical poll results. So a slight majority, it sounds like, of, of 11,000 Bengals fans, of whom I'm sure there are a lot of the same fans voting in both of these polls, prefer Penn Sewell. And so we've picked Pene Sewell at number five. And here's where the other half or, or slightly less than half of fans are coming from. It's that when you get to the, the second round pick, at pick 38, and you look at what's available on the offensive line, and you look at what's available at wide receiver, the the value seems to be on the offensive line. So you we look at guys like Dylan Raddins, Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, Landon Dickerson. For for you know, probably interior guys, there's a chance that Dylan Raddins sticks outside at tackle in the NFL. Alex Leatherwood as a guard to tackle prospect. Brady Christensen from BYU who I know it's BYU, but had incredibly clean tape and just went out and tested like a freak while everyone was distracted by the insane throw that Zach Wilson put up at BYU's Pro Day. So there are a lot of guys here that, that I'm personally pretty comfortable with on the offensive line in the second round. Now, maybe there's a trade back because there's so many guys on the offensive line that you're comfortable with and you try to add a third round pick here but when you compare that to the wide receivers available, there's a couple of guys that I like, but but none that I am quite so confident in as some of these offensive linemen. Right, James?
0: Exactly right. And, and that's the debate here. I mean, you got Elijah Moore, and I like him, and he tested well the other day, and he has just wild social media with some of his route running videos. But he's 5'9", and probably in the next level going to be more of a, a primarily a slot receiver. Well, you might have the best slot receiver in the game in Tyler Boyd, so that's just something to think about. Rondell Moore is available, Amari Rogers, um, Dwayne Eskridge, but he's old, and I know he ran pretty fast, but you're not taking him at 38 overall. Diami Brown, your guy, uh, still feels a bit rich, but maybe not. You know, if, if you take him here, Tylan Wallace is another guy. But to me, Jake, and, and I know you're high on a couple of these guys. I'm high, uh, you know, pretty high on a couple of these guys. But the the potential wide receiver ones. That you can realistically say and and see the path for them becoming that guy, they're gone now. You know, the Terrence Marshalls are gone. Even a a guy like Kadarius Toney, who I think might not be a wide receiver one in the league, but certainly you could see how he plays and fits into the Bengals' future, he's gone. So it's just, it's really tough. and, And that's the argument. Like this scenario to me, is exactly why I'm in on chase because I like multiple offensive linemen here. And I think that might be the best player available in round two. And yet you already picked Sewell. So do you want to go offensive line again? And we may do that and we may opt to, and some fans might say, hell yeah, that's exactly what you should do. But then wide receiver becomes your biggest need. If you do that,
2: it certainly becomes very interesting. When you look at some of the profiles of some of these receivers, just eyeballing, the metrics that I know, you know, historically the Bengals care about, I could certainly see them really liking Elijah Moore just from his productivity profile. His uh, testing was really strong, as you mentioned, James, but he's 5'9". And historically, uh, a majority of the wide receivers the Bengals pick are taller than six feet tall. Now, obviously, this year, that becomes a little bit challenging with guys like Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, 5'9", 5'7", Amon Ross, St. Brown, 5'11". And, you know, there's a chance that Jamar Chase is 5'11 is too when he actually gets officially measured and his pro day is coming up on March 31st, just a couple days away. But Elijah Moore stands out as a guy from a productivity profile and analytic perspective that really fits what they like. Tylen Wallace also stands out for similar reasons, his pro day coming up on April 1st. Terrace Marshall, if he's available, another guy that fits their criteria in a lot of ways. So some names that I'm certainly thinking are worth keeping your eye on for the second round if any of them are there. But we need to make a choice, James, and we need to decide, do we double dip on offensive line or can we go get one of these outside receivers? And if we're looking outside receiver here, That's where I always come back to Diami Brown. We've got the slot snap percentage breakdown here. Elijah Moore in his most recent year was in the slot for Mississippi 89% of the time. Diami Brown in the slot for UNC less than 1% of the time. So if you're looking for an outside receiver, I would argue for Diami Brown here, but I could certainly see the argument for one of these offensive linemen to double dip.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably where I am here. If, if we're not going to take Elijah Moore, like if you don't believe he's going to be an outside guy, cause he's, he's my favorite left on the board, but I get it the you know, the fit part of it. And again, this is why I've been conditioned in my mind to, to go with offensive line in round two. But I, I mean, are you really passing on a, a Creed Humphrey here? Or if, um, heck uh, Landon Dickerson, if he checks all the, the injury concerns, cause that's really it is with him, his health, that, that the health of him. I'll give you one more guy. What about the, the Penn State kid, the tight end?
2: You know, I've had people in my mentions telling me, I can't believe you're passing on Baby Gronk, and that's Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State. But I honestly haven't had time to watch him yet.
0: So that's a guy we could talk about and, and potentially revisit. But let's uh, let's make a pick here. We're on the clock. It's ticking. I feel like offensive line, I also know, and I'm going to practice what I preach here, Jake. You're in on Diami Brown. And I think Joe Burrow needs weapons. I think that's just as important. People are worried about keeping him upright. Well, damn it, if he's upright, I need guys who can get separation and win downfield. And uh, you're in on Diami Brown, so let's take him. It might it might feel like a reach to some people. North Carolina, let, let's, uh, let's raise up here with Diami Brown.
2: We'll talk a little bit more about Diami Brown and get into the third round coming up next. I don't think you need us to tell you anything else about Built Bar, but I'm going to hammer it again. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the planet. Great taste, covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, low sugar, high fiber, high protein, doesn't have the things you don't want, has the things that you do, all while tasting amazing. There's even a protein bar at BuiltBar.com with real pieces of brownie in it. That's insane. It's a protein bar. Right now, BuiltBar.com is trying to find out what the best Built Bar is. It's Built Bar Madness time, and we're almost in to the final four. One enticing eight matchup left before the flavorful four. Sorry, not the final four. And that's going to be Caramel Brownie against Coconut Brownie Chunk. And that Coconut Brownie Chunk has real pieces of brownie in it. That's my favorite one. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Browse their library of fantastic flavors. And when you make your purchase, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com with promo code LOCKED15. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from
1: Discover,
2: James, let's talk very briefly a little bit more about Diami Brown before we get into the third round selections and the options for the Bengals here at pick 69. Dayami Brown, outside wide receiver for UNC, had incredible vertical production, limited route tree. He mostly lined up on the left side of the field for the Tar Heels, mostly ran straight lines down the field, and then displayed really good ball skills, really good separation ability. Looks like he plays with good speed. I think he's going to be over six feet tall, which in this class is a rare trait. And I think that he has the athleticism to develop into a very complete wide receiver in the NFL And the trends we've seen in the NFL lately, James, is that you can find guys in the second round that are very, very good wide receivers. And I think Diami Brown could be one. Tylen Wallace could be one. Elijah Moore could be one. If you're looking for guys that you're looking to move around the field a little bit more, Rondale Moore becomes very interesting as well. So that's a little bit about Diami Brown. There are plenty of threads out there on Twitter of him winning downfield and just torching guys. So. If you're interested in seeing some clips, he is a highlight reel a little bit down there in Chapel Hill. But here we are in the third round, James. We've got Penesul, we've got Diami Brown, and there's still some needs on this team. Obviously, I would still be looking potentially at an interior offensive lineman here, but the Bengals, depending on what happens here in the rest of free agency, where Jar and Reed, for example, is now a free agent, maybe the Bengals are involved there. They they could go back to the trenches on the defensive side of the ball here.
0: Yeah, I think this is a trenches pick, and it's really what's there. Do you go edge? Do you go interior, defensive line, interior, offensive line? And maybe that means tackle, but a guy that starts his career at guard. And certainly some options. Alex Leatherwood's still there. Shocked at that. That would be a surprise, but it's certainly not insane. I remember last year, and I'm not saying they have the same athletic profiles or anything, but Josh Jones fell. And people were thinking that the Bengals were considering him at 33. They passed on him twice, so there's certainly uh, a, a scenario where someone like this falls. And, and so Alex Leatherwood there, Brady Christensen there, James Hudson out of the University of Cincinnati, the best school in the state of Ohio, available. Deontay Brown, Trey Smith, Quinton My- or Quinn Miners, excuse me, um, Josh Myers as well. So you have some interior alignment here. And I think that's where I lean. I think I'm leaning offensive line again. But Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest still there on the edge. That's a guy that I, I think would get consideration here. And again, this is pending whatever else happens free agency-wise. But I don't think they're doing anything that's going to prevent them from taking an edge at this stage of the draft. So a couple names that stand out. Basham won. Leatherwood won. Christensen won. And uh, yeah, I think it's, this is a trenches pick, Jake, for sure.
2: I think Peyton Turner... Out of Houston is a name, James, that you're going to be hearing a lot more as we get closer and closer to the draft. An edge rusher, I think that he's in the conversation with Carlos Basham. And on the interior defensive line, Davion Nixon from Iowa, who is Justice Mosqueda's number one interior defensive line prospect, by the way, is still available here in the third round. I do think that he is likely. To go in the second round, but it seems like opinion on this defensive line class is kind of all over the place. And it wouldn't surprise me if the NFL is all over the place on these guys, too. Milton Williams, a raw-ish three-tech prospect from Louisiana Tech, is a guy that I've fallen in love with a little bit as a potential Geno Atkins replacement here. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a third-round pick. Ali McNeil, another guy who's probably a day two interior defensive lineman that I would certainly be looking at. So I think there's quite a bit of trench talent to pick from here. I personally, when I go through these tend to lean to the defensive side of the ball with the third round pick. It's something the Bengals have done a lot in the last couple of years going offense early defense, a little bit more third, fourth rounds. They did it last year with uh, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and then a couple linebackers in the third and fourth rounds. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them go to the trenches here. The guy that I keep coming back to, James, is Milton Williams. But I think that when you talk about where the Bengals need help on the defensive trenches, they're actually a little bit deeper at this point, I guess, at edge. I guess. <laughs> I, I, I don't really know. I mean, they, they certainly need help at both interior and edge on the defensive line so Milton Williams Carlos Basham for for me you can flip a coin here and I need to learn more about Davion Nixon personally for my for myself to be able to make an educated opinion here but Justice Mosqueda is an opinion that I trust and so I think he would probably be in the conversation if he were somehow available in the third round
0: interesting so you lean defensive line here I I again I think I'm on the other side of this and uh I, I, not that it's likely that the Bengals go three straight offensive players, even though after what they did in free agency, it might be the best thing to do. But to me, like a, a Leatherwood here is just crazy value. Christensen, because you're talking about guys that you can draft, start and then potentially kick to the outside, depending on what happens with Jonah Williams and his injury history. And, you know, who knows with Sewell, right? So it, it just gives you another chance to to turn the offensive line issues into a strength, so that's where I'm at uh, personally. If I if I'm going with one of these guys, it's probably Christensen or Leatherwood.
2: And I think that certainly makes sense. I mean, you're looking at guys that are probably fallers, right? At this point in the draft, Leatherwood and Christensen could both certainly go on day two. Christensen did come in with those 32 and two eighths or, or quarter, I guess, inch arms. So there's a chance that the NFL sees him as a guard and sees him as a guy that needs some time to. To bake and and develop, and he was playing tackle at BYU, not not necessarily the the fiercest competition there, and maybe teams do see him as a guard. So I can certainly see that one. If you're looking at guys that are, are pure interior offensive linemen, right guard types, that I think you can kind of plug and play as as power right guards in the traditional right guard mold. I think Josh Myers from Ohio State could be in that conversation, but. Ben Cleveland and Deontay Brown, Georgia and Alabama. Two big maulers, people movers at right guard. I'm not sure how well they fit an outside zone scheme. If the Bengals are really confident with Trey Smith's medicals, you could talk about him here. But I think that all all of those guys might end up going a little bit later. So wouldn't begrudge at all a pick here for offensive line. But if you go offensive line here, James, I don't know where you're going on the defensive line, you I don't I don't know if there's another three tech, unless, I, I yeah I, I think that's where I am. I don't know if there's another three tech, so so that's why I seem to keep coming back to Milton Williams here because I think he's got that that Geno Atkins potential. I mean, not that I think he's going to be Geno Atkins, but similar build, similar burst, similar physical uh, gifts that that could translate
0: into that kind of player. And that's why trading down, and we talked about it at the top, trading down from five, but even trading down from 38 to 42 or 43 and adding another fourth, well, then maybe I'm not as worried about offensive line here, and I'm more willing to go with with an interior lineman because, oh, yeah, we could take Milton Williams because we have two other picks next round. And so that, to me, is where we start to see the value of adding another pick in rounds three to four in that range, right? And uh, you could certainly add a four, I think, if you trade down five, six, seven spots in the uh, may, maybe a little more. But in the, the second round, uh, there's a realistic possibility that that happens. And the Bengals have traded down in the second round a bunch. So we'll see here. So, hey, I, I gave you Diamond Brown. Milton Williams, go for it. This is the day of Jake. And not really because, you know, I think everybody knows our, our thoughts on Sewell. But if this is the, the Sewell plan, you, you get Sewell then you get a, a weapon, a downfield weapon, and then you address the interior of the defensive line. That's certainly a, a heck of a start to the draft. And and
2: you make a really good point there, which is that in the Sewell plan, adding picks feels really important. And maybe when we do the chase plan, we'll find that that feels really important too. But like you said, James, we're, we're, we're having to pick here between – multiple positions of need and we're, we're trying to make the value fit, right? So like I'm not looking at safeties at all. I'm, I'm sort of barely looking at linebackers. Mm-hmm. And if there are extra picks and you can start to hit some of these holes, then you can start to look at some value BPA guys and maybe some positions you're not even thinking about because you have the extra picks to address. Or, or, or even if it's just take more swings, some of these positions where you, you really need talent and you need to get better in 2021. So the, the summary Sewell, Diami Brown, Milton Williams, some, some trench power and Milton Williams and Sewell, I, I think both of those guys are year one contributors. Dayami Brown might be your day one starter along with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. So I, I think this will be a draft that we could get behind. I, I wouldn't be mad at this draft whatsoever. It's just one of those things where it's highlighting, man, does it feel like we want to trade back? And maybe I'm just addicted to trading back, but that's what it feels like. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We've got you covered this whole week as we march closer to the draft. We've got pro days for the interesting Bengals prospects that we're watching all week. Until next time, Bengals fans, day, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members.